0: Welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Our opening music is famous Australian pre-war World War II soprano, Gladys Moncrief. And you'll see why we're playing her music a few minutes into the program. This program was researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 708 for release on Sunday, February 20th, 2022. On the program today, the radio scene at the end of the highway, Cooktown, Part 2. More from the HFCC B-22 Shortwave Frequency Conference in Bulgaria and our Bangladesh DX Report. Well, this is our second topic on the radio scene in uh, Cooktown at the end of the highway in Cape York Peninsula at the far north of coastal Queensland in Australia. Unexpectedly, Cooktown was the second largest town in Queensland at the height of the nearby Gold Rush in the 1880s. Back then, the state capital, Brisbane, had a population of 50,000 and Cooktown had a population of 30,000. Here's Ray Robinson with more on this story.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Alluvial gold was found in 1872 in the Palmer River, about 150 miles directly inland from Cooktown. During the next 18 years after that, more than 15 tonnes of gold was processed. In 1890, the first section of a railway line running from Cooktown towards the goldfield at Maytown was opened as far as Laura, some 67 miles. And then during the following year, 1891, a very expensive railway bridge, 536 feet long and 55 feet high, was completed at Laura. A test locomotive, together with attached rolling stock, was driven successfully at full speed across the new bridge, for the one and only occasion – It is one of the few occasions in the history of railway lines anywhere in the world that a massive and expensive railway bridge has been constructed but never taken into use. The rest of the line was never completed. In 1916, a British-made luxury Napier motor car was modified at the railway workshops in Ipswich, Queensland for use on the Cooktown railway line. That RM6 Napier motor car was named the Captain Cook in honour of the English sea captain after whom the town of Cooktown was named. The railway car was used to carry postal mail, passengers and railway officials. In 1961, a roadway replaced the railway line and the entire railway line was sold for scrap. Due to its location and isolation, there have been many usages of communication radio in the Cooktown area. For example, at the RB mine a dozen miles inland from Cooktown, there was a small communication radio station. Butchers Hill was another active radio location as a pastoral homestead, a small mining town, and a meat processing location, with another communication station, that one under the call sign 8QHE. The style of the call sign 8QHE suggests that it was an outpost for the Royal Flying Doctor Service. There was another Flying Doctor outpost station in Cooktown itself, and we might add, there were 29,000 of these small outpost radio stations throughout the Great Outback in Australia during that era. The Royal Australian Navy installed a signal station at a dwelling in Hope Street, Cooktown on January 1st, 1942, for the purpose of monitoring Japanese tactical communications in Kanna Morse Code. That station was operated by women operators who were serving in the WRANS, the Women's Royal Australian Naval Service. They communicated by shortwave radio with station VKA in Cairns, 200 miles down the coast. Back during that war era, the Americans operated four different facilities in Cooktown, two airports, a small hospital and a regular communication radio station. The first airport was simply a gravel landing strip on the seaward edge of a mangrove swamp near Cooktown that had been prepared by Australian personnel for small de Havilland Rapid biplanes in 1937. An air radio station was installed into a substantial building near the airstrip, and it's probable that the registered call sign was VHCK. The transmitter was a 400-watt AWA Model J2876 with capability on one medium wave and three shortwave channels. In May 1942, 300 American Army personnel arrived at Cooktown and they guarded the small airport which was then in use by the air force of both countries, the United States and Australia. However, through overuse, the airstrip rapidly deteriorated, So the American personnel then commandeered a Lutheran mission station that was under the care of German-born pastor George Schwartz and they prepared a new airstrip some eight miles out from Cooktown. Some years earlier mango trees had been planted on that particular mission property and that was the introduction of mango trees in Australia. An air radio station was also installed in a new building at the new airport, which was licensed under the Australian call sign VZCK. And that airport these days is the Cooktown Civil Aerodrome. Another American radio station was installed in a substantial two-storey building in Helen Street in Cooktown that was previously in use as the St Mary's Convent School. That school was noted for its excellent music curriculum – and one of its early students was the noted Australian soprano Gladys Moncrief, whose vocal solo, Love Will Find A Way, you heard at the beginning of the programme today. American Navy personnel renovated the 55-year-old Catholic building in late 1943, and they installed an intercept station with a shortwave transmitter in the large attic on the roof. In July 1944, the American commander, Lieutenant R.S. Katzenberger, informed regional headquarters that the station was ready for operation. However, with the progress of the Pacific War, American personnel were then deploying in the islands to the north, and so the station was no longer needed, and it was closed a couple of months later in September 1944. Twenty years later, that same building was refurbished, and it was reopened personally by Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II as the Cooktown Museum. Back to you, Jeff.
0: Thank you very much, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. Last week we had our first report about the B22 season High Frequency Coordination Conference, or HFCC, that took place in Sofia, Bulgaria during the last week of August. The main idea of the HFCC is to avoid interference – to make sure that no two stations are using the same frequency or adjacent frequencies to the same target area at the same time. Over 40 shortwave frequency planners from all over the world met at the Sofia Balkan Hotel, a massive luxury hotel that was built during the communist era, but it's been renovated to include all of the modern necessities along with the original charm of marble staircases, dazzling chandeliers, elegant meeting rooms, and ultra-sophisticated electronic controls in the guest rooms that took even engineers about a week to figure out how to use. Well, it was very strange and sad to not be able to discuss the conference with our colleague Jerry Plummer, Frequency Manager of WWCR Shortwave in Tennessee, as he passed away a month earlier in July. As regular listeners know, Jerry has always analyzed these HFCC conferences with us on Wavescan for the past several years now. I did, however, get together with Glenn Tapley of WEWN Shortwave in Alabama and George Ross of Transworld Radio to discuss the conference. We recorded a conversation just as the conference was ending, and we're going to present that here on Wavescan during the next few weeks. Well, we have with us now uh, Glenn Tapley from WEWN in Alabama and uh, George Ross from Transworld Radio. And we have just concluded a week's worth of meetings here at the HFCC-ABU Global Coordination Conference. You can almost say that in one breath. Uh, here in Sofia, Bulgaria, our second meeting in, in Sofia. Uh, we had one in 2014. Uh, we, we, we were all there. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, now we're here in 2022. Uh, the, we began on Monday, the 22nd of August, with our uh, standard opening plenary. And in addition to the 40 some people who were in the room from stations or around the world, uh, everywhere from Korea, to all over Europe, uh, to the Americas. Uh, in addition to them, we also had uh, many people from around the world uh, connected via Zoom. It was the first time we'd done, well, no, actually, the first time we'd done a hybrid meeting, right? right.
2: Yes, yeah. it is the first time for a hybrid. So we had almost 50% on, no, no, not quite, <laughs> more people here than online, but it was pretty close.
0: hmm And how do you think that worked, George?
2: It worked better than I would have expected. I think for me, right off the top, there was so much we were able to accomplish by being in person here again. Um, Not only accomplished by face-to-face contact, to to meet our colleagues again. This is a very close-knit coordination group, and it really felt good to be back together again.
0: Now, we had some, some major uh, broadcasters who were not able to attend, though, like like Russia. I mean, uh, well, Russia and China, right? That is correct, yes. Mm. Yeah, we, we missed them, but
3: uh, we're thankful for those who did attend. And like George said, it was so good to see people we haven't seen in two and a half, maybe three years. And everyone was glad to connect again. Um, uh, I think most everybody here was was very pleased with being able to attend. And be here in person. It was important that
0: we do this. And, and Glenn, there were some there were some new people here who had never been to a conference before, and who needed a little extra help with learning about what we do here and how frequencies are coordinated. Right. That is right. And uh, one thing about
3: this group is we're welcoming to people who come for the first time, and we make sure that they feel at home. And there's things for them to do. Uh, such as Calvin Carter, had a get-together in the evening for everybody, invited people there, and some new ones showed up, and uh, it gets, it gives us a chance to, to know one another, not just on a conference level, but on a personal
0: level as well. Yeah, and Calvin Carter is from uh, Continental Electronics, uh, one of the big manufacturers of uh, shortwave transmitters. Uh, he had, as you mentioned, a sort of a hospitality suite in his room, uh and most of the nights and uh also continental electronics and ampagon sponsored uh, a reception on tuesday right
2: yes that's correct and you know you realize that while we're meeting in person one of the important things is we can actually talk and run over different issues with the transmitter manufacturers that were here you can't do that online <laughs>
0: well, that's true. Um, also on Wednesday, the 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 actual local organizer here of the meeting was Spaceline, uh, which operates the X uh, Radio Bulgaria transmitters uh, as a commercial enterprise now. And uh, uh, Vetsy Gerdiev was the the main person in charge of this. And uh, Spaceline sponsored a a, a big group dinner uh, at a place called the Happy Bar, right across the plaza from from the hotel here. The same place as, as last time, right? Yeah, that's
3: right. Yeah, they remodeled inside, but it uh, still had the same really good food, and uh, yeah, it's always good to get together there, so we appreciate Vinci and, and his work that he did putting hosting the conference as he did.
0: Yeah, we had a chance to uh, try some uh, Bulgarian uh, food there. Uh, also, um, uh, I went with, I think with Kalo from uh, Continental, to a, a restaurant uh, a few blocks from here uh, whose, whose name I will not even <laughs> dare to pronounce. So I asked our waiter to pronounce the name of the restaurant. izbi. Yeah. And that means, Hadjid what does Gadanovi. that mean? It's it, the mean, the, the of the Hajidragan is the Hadjid. name. Well, that's easy for him to say. Yeah. izbi. But uh, it was really nice. You go down into a, like a basement, and it's a, I think it's a wine cellar, and, and then they had uh, people playing uh, Bulgarian Korean uh, and flutes and, and folk songs, folk music, uh, and, and very, very Bulgarian uh, food. So uh, I know a lot of people had a chance to try local places like that this time.) Oh.
2: Yes, and, and something else that's very unique is the heritage of the old Roman city that was here originally, and we got to see a lot of the excavations that were done there for the historical setting of Sofia.
0: That's right. In fact, right in the in the sort of the courtyard of this hotel, there's a there are, is a little tiny chapel uh, that I, I don't know what it dates from, but it's pretty old, right?
2: <laughs> yes, it's before 1000 AD, if I remember correctly.
3: Wow, Wow! you've been there. Yes. uh, If we're talking about the same one, I think we are. It's like the second oldest church still standing in Europe. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, uh, yeah, and there was a lot of other churches here of uh, Orthodox faith mostly and uh, got to go in and actually witnessed two baptisms uh, in in two different churches, one Eastern and one Russian Orthodox, and uh, some uh, beautiful... uh, uh, singing by the uh, brothers uh, at uh, one of the churches, and you had bought some CDs from them. I went over yesterday and I bought one as well. Uh-huh. And uh, so it's—I'm uh, looking forward to listening to that because it was absolutely beautiful. The the music that they were they were singing a cappella, of course. And...
0: Not to mention the uh, all the icons in the church, uh, very beautiful uh, and, and some of them are dating way back also. Uh, there's a, uh, a church this this hotel, uh, the Sofia Balkan Hotel is located on uh, Plaza Sveta Nadalia, which uh, I understand means Holy Sunday, and there is a a church which has become a cathedral called Sveta Nadalia, uh, just a couple of minute walk from here. And uh, I was in there, and I uh, uh, was in there the last time as well. But uh, it's, it's got a really, really uh, interesting history. And I don't know if you know how, how far that one dates back, George.
2: Um, I don't. I know a, a couple things about that cathedral, however. One was that the limestone that was used in the building of the blocks there came from Italy. And the second thing is that it was actually bombed out in 1925, and they had to repair half of the building itself.
0: It was a terrorist incident, in yes. fact. Yes, yeah. it
2: was. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, uh, something like 190-some people killed and 500 injured or something like that. Uh, and the, the church itself, I think, has been sort of destroyed and rebuilt a few times over the years. Uh, but it's, uh, it, it's very beautiful. Also, some of our uh, uh, participants have, are participating in a in an excursion uh, after the conference ends on Friday. Uh, have the excursion out to the uh, to a monastery called the Rila Monastery, uh, about an hour or two from uh, from Sofia. Did you go on that excursion last time, Glenn? I did not. But right before uh, I left
3: the states to come here, I watched a video on it and uh, learn about the history and all and um and you were there yes, yes yeah and yes. You, you saw the inside of the uh the church there and i, I you can't take pictures so there was nothing on on video uh, uh about that but they said that it was really beautiful to to look up and see yeah you know the mm-hmm. the roof for the ceiling and all and how, how Decorative it was in the church.
0: Uh, Yeah, I did go there last time. Did you go George? No, okay It's it's really worth the excursion uh, Because you go up in sort of the mountains and it's a cooler area because right now in in Sofia we've had uh, temperatures of like uh, 95 degrees Fahrenheit uh, and uh, It's gotten a little cooler. I think since we got here, but uh, uh, Very hot temperatures here in, in Europe right now Getting back to the the conference, um, we uh, we had on Wednesday a meeting of what they call the group of experts to discuss technical and and other subjects uh, relating to uh, short wave. Uh, were, were you guys able to take part in? Do
2: Yes, I was.
0: Okay, all right. I thought one of the one of the interesting things the first actually I think the first topic that came up was. Um, the problems right now with uh, escalating costs yes, for sure. shortwave broadcasting, and a great part of that is A, electrical rates going way up, especially here in Europe, but really all over the world, and B, the escalating costs of tubes that are used in shortwave transmitters, uh, both of those big, big problems
2: that is is a massive problem that we're faced with. And I was impressed with our colleagues here overall, looking at what opportunities we would have to facilitate and work together to bring costs down in whatever way possible. And of course, as was mentioned there, um, the tube cost because of all the logistics now that have gone on in the last few years, have brought the tubes to almost a 41% increase. Mm. That's very dramatic for stations to be able to have tubes on hand, to say the least. And then there's the availability also of that. For most of us, we have transmitters that need parts that are not, you know, if you don't have new transmitters, then you're always looking for parts for that. And the compilation to try and find some is a hard detail, but when we can get together collectively, we're hoping we can find these venues where we can get parts that right now we don't see are available.
0: Yeah, some of these tubes are taking months and months and months to, uh, mm-hmm. to be able to, uh, to get. Um, and then, of course, some tubes are, are being rebuilt, but I, that only certain kinds can be rebuilt, I think. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, yeah, we're waiting on a new one now. We've been, I think we're on month five. So you have to order the tube, mm-hmm. and at that point they start to produce it and, and build it. Check, you know, make sure everything is uh, is okay with it, and eventually they'll ship it to you. So it's it's probably going to take seven months from the time that you actually order a tube to get one. At least for us, that's just I might. I told them get two, at least you know while they're buying one, just go ahead and get another one, have it on hand.
0: I was speaking there with Glenn Tapley of WEWN and George Ross of Trans World Radio at the HFCC B22 conference in Bulgaria. We'll have a lot more about that meeting next week on WaveScan. Right now, let's go to Salahuddin Dolar in Bangladesh.
4: This is Salahuddin Dalar from Rajshahi, Bangladesh. Glad to be back and thanks for listening. The receiving log of different radio stations, 7th August. Voice of America, Santa Maria de Gloria, male and female discussion in Hausa was heard at 1520 UTC on 17700 kHz, the SIO code was 333. Radio Saudi International Friends program was heard at 1525 UTC on seventeen six six zero kHz, the SIO code was 333. Radio forda. Biblis, reporting by OM in Persian, was heard at 1532 UTC on 15690 kHz. The SIO code was 444. Adventist World Radio, KSDA, Guam, Kannada Program, OM Giving Program address, was heard at 1536 UTC on uh, 15680 kHz. The SIO code was 444. Adventist World Radio, now in, presenting popular DX program, OV scan in English, was heard at 1540 UTC on 15670 kHz, the ISI code was 343. Vatican Radio, Amharic Service, talking by OM, was heard at 1545 UTC on 15565 kHz, the ISA code was 343. Radio Exterior de Hispana, Madrid, the Spanish program. Spanish song was heard at 1555 UTC on 15520 kHz. The SI code was 333. Doise Amharic Service. OM talking about civil society was heard at 1647 UTC on 15275 kHz. The SI code was 433. Radio France International. House language. discussion between OMS was heard at 1651 UTC on 15300 kHz. The ISA code was 333. 10th August, Sri Lankan Broadcasting Corporation Bengali program Ahuban was heard at 00145 UTC on 11905 kHz. The ISA code was 444. BBC Alcila Dari program was heard at 0, 0735 UTC on 17810 kHz, the SIO code was 444. 4, 4. Myanmar Radio, Yangon, OM and while talking in Burmese was heard at 0, 0740 UTC on 9730 kHz, the SIO code was 444. 4, 4. We want to thanks Mr. Pradeep Chandra Kundu of Tripura India for sharing his log with us if you have any comments and suggestion please send your comments and reception report to the following email address dxbangla at the rate gmail.com the address again dxbangla at the rate gmail.com okay I will come with more DX news in the next edition till then take care Salahuddin dollar Ratshahi Bangladesh
0: thank you Salahuddin and WaveScan today with Boris Kristoff singing with the choir of the Alexander Nevsky Memorial Church in Sofia, Bulgaria. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, the saga of Radio Antwerp in Belgium. More from the HFCC B22 Conference in Sofia and our Australian DX Report. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. Till next week, good listening, everyone.